Hello ladies and gentlemen, I come before you today with this message of dire importance. Lately, each movie we make costs about as much as a 10 year old used car would cost. We save up for a few years and then spend it all on our newest movie. Of course, these movies earn us almost nothing, but it's so much fun. I'd rather have a bunch of movies than a bunch of used cars. Can I come over and watch Freaky Farley with you tonight? The film you're about to see contains scenes of shocking river beast action, which are definitely not for the timid. Welcome to Don't Let the Motorcast Get You, a collection of our friends at the Twin Geeks. It's me, Calvin. I'm here with Steven. Hello. And Jack. Hi, it's me, Jack. And our friend, Matt. Hi, I'm Matt. This is our, our first uh, four-person podcast. Um, mm. So uh, our largest show yet, dedicated to our favorite brand in movie making, um, the Modern brand. If you don't know yeah. them, I, I guess we'll give an overview of how we got to here, why we're yeah. doing the whole show committed to them, who they you are. You may have heard a lot of talk about the MCU. Um, so <laughs> the Modern Cinematic Universe is what we're going to be unpicking on these uh, podcasts. And I guess I got to it because I was watching Local Legends. I don't know if it was uh, our friend Matt here or uh, maybe Justin was the one who uh, kind of got me into it. Justin DeClue, who we'll be uh, talking about, was uh, one of the people that puts out their movies onto physical release. So he'll come up throughout the show. Local Legends was by far like the most intriguing movie I've seen this year and what really got <laughs> me like interested and re-engaged in like indie cinema. And in the middle of that movie, Matt Farley, who we just had on the Twin Geek cast recently, he puts his phone number up on the screen and I started texting him and, and we haven't really stopped <laughs> texting. I mean, we last text was like a week ago. I mean, the, we're still like engaged in, in thought and exchanges of ideas. Recently, this is reciprocal this, texting, right? This isn't just yes. you just hammering at him repeatedly. Mostly me just, just hammering him. questions <laughs> and him sometimes responding. Um and recently he put out a tweet saying, wouldn't it be great if someone went through all the motored specials and uh, all of our movies and made an entire podcast dedicated to us. And we thought, who better for the job than us? We thought that seems targeted. So yeah. <laughs> very, really, very specific. Just at us next time, Matt, if you really yeah. want us to make something. But uh, We're flattered, but I mean, you know we were going to do it. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, he, I think he knew specifically that we were going to run with the idea. Yeah. So. And Cal, one thing you said that I think is really interesting to contextualize this idea of being like super into uh, from this independent independent cinema because I feel like the idea of independent cinema has taken on a new meaning, especially with like obsessions <laughs> around certain studios that are not independent. But like yeah. you know how like in music indie has become genre. I mean, a lot obviously a long time ago, but there is mm-hmm. that. How do you define independent in this sense as opposed to I went to see an A twenty four movie, which is yeah. kind of like the independent scene in quotes that is often talked about. These are no budget independent movies. So like, I mean, they're all under what probably they've all got to be under $10,000 to make these movies. I mean, they're, they're very cheaply made. Yeah. Um, I I think you'll see that they'll have the same actors, same people involved, you know, they're not casting a lot of extras. They're kind of taking out of a pool of their small town and uh, just picking up friends. And uh, it's really the most independent, like uh, without any, ties to studios no distribution especially like we said our friend justin is really on the vanguard there uh getting them out but those are only a few hundred release per per movie so uh, there's no like distribution model no studio involved no festivals uh it's as indie as you could get 
Exactly. No festivals purely through choice. We talked to Matt Farley about this again. It's yes. just this rises above the festivals. Mm-hmm. Um, so what the figure he gave in local legends was he said they all cost 10,000 or less and he'd rather have a movie than a car. <laughs> yeah. <absolutely. laughs> what, what you'll find from following Matt on Twitter is that he goes for 20 mile walks every day. Uh, Matt Farley, that is not our Matt here. Um, uh, <laughs> Matt, maybe you go for walks too. Um, how did you find the, how did you get into this? I feel like you've been a big uh, spearhead for getting this to our community. Well, Jack and I were watching a bunch of movies that are like inspired by older horror movies and river beast was on our watch list of things to get to and we couldn't find it for a very long time and then we got really burned out on those inspired by old movie movies and (laughs) yeah kind of forgot about river beast for a while until i got a notification from letterbox saying it was on tubi now so we could watch it there and we were watching it didn't have the highest expectations because of how we had been disappointed in the past (laughs) and then by 20 minutes into the movie it really clicked with us that this was a masterpiece Mm. and not (laughs) someone who had no idea what they were doing the the first 10 minutes or so i was sort of like really disappointed because i was i I don't know what this is it's so low budget it's no budget (laughs) i don't know if i'm gonna like this have we been searching the wrong holy grail after all this time and then as matt said about 20 minutes in once you sort of get on the movie side and start realizing what it is and what they're doing, it just completely took me away. And we've just been delving into all the MM productions since then. I think it was great that I started with Local Legends because I didn't even have a moment of pause. It's like, this is exactly what I'm doing with the website and making content I love with friends that's not going to make any money. And we're doing this mm-hmm. just because we want to and we think it's a crazy idea. So. And- and I was slightly lagging behind because, like, I don't know, occasionally I get like, roped into these um, strange watching <laughs> projects, um, but I'm, I'm more reticent than the others. Um, and they were pitched this movie, and I was like, that just seems like a Jack and Matt thing. I'm sure they'll have a great time, and they'll both give it two stars and say it's great, whatever, and we'll move on with our lives. <laughs> so I had, like, vague plans. I'm like, now I'm good. And then just, like, later in the evening, there's all these, like, two five-star reviews drop. This random movie was like, God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> so that really missed out and had a friend come for the weekend i was like all right we're gonna watch a movie i hear it's good i'm not sure if it's a joke that it's good but we're gonna mm. watch it anyway and it was ooh, absolutely glorious um so yeah i started with release two and then got to local legends and then one way through because of the podcast because of the previous podcast yeah um, where we spoke to matt farley um so i got as many in as i could um including the well now the latest one but the one before the latest one Hush got Married, which is wonderful um and i'm excited to go through them again it's mm. tagged on the site, but it's not obvious by the name. Look at the Friday 13th Part 2 podcast from October for our Matt Farley interview. Yeah, good point, actually. <laughs> it's a 40-minute interview. Natively. Like It's not just like a slice Like within the podcast. Mm. We do our full interview, then you do Malignant, and then he joins us to talk about Friday 13th Part 2. So There's a lot of content already on uh, Motor Media on the site. You already did a River Beast uh, feature, yes. really beautiful piece. So. Uh, we're just beginning our coverage, actually, of the mm. Motor Universe. Uh, there's so much left to go, and we're beginning with a, an old college film. Um, I guess yeah. what I guess what really drew me into it is like this is really for me. Like local legends is something that I idealize. Like doing art for art's sake, not because you could finance something out of it. It's what I like want to inspire my kid to do. Right? Like keep drawing, keep doing your art because it's what you love to do. Do it with friends. Um, any hobby is really possible and you don't need to be in the like American mode of everything needs to be capitalism to be worthwhile. 
I mean, but some places need to be open 24 hours so they can, you know, service the public. But uh, we'll yes. get to that when we go in the breakdown of the movie. Um, so I think so. This is the Paperboy. So this is the first motion movie. Um, so you're right. So made in college. I mean, we talked to Matt Farley about it. So this was not made as a university film school project. This was just made because they were in university. And he talked about it on the podcast. So I'm going to reiterate, I apologize for the idea, but like in film school, they were making like short, especially on like, you know, on spec. And he was like, we made a natural movie. And he's like, yeah, hardcore. Um, so this is from 1999, which is popularly known as one of the better film years. So this is, you know, mm-hmm. a highlight from that. Um, and this is a movie that, um, ooh, um, I guess I'll start with what they were doing in college that uh, yeah. Matt Farley and Charles Rexburg were like uh, in the same dorm space and uh, they had, they shared an editing room and they were kind of, they felt they were uh, on the nerdier side of campus. So they kind of stayed late together, started making these short films and uh, the professors didn't like them, which kind of gave them something <laughs> immediately to rebel against. Like they never found like critical acclaim early on, right? Like it was, these movies just kind of existed and were being made like within their own sphere. Um, like they put up posters in town and nobody would go see their movies. And, um, and that still continues today, right? Like they're, it's almost comically or endearingly small audiences and making it um, truly for yourselves. Like uh, they made a, a film about an email addict early on. Um, that was uh, the first film, I think, uh, Allegory of the Electronic Cave, taken from the Modern Media uh, interview book, which you'll find from our friends, uh, Will Sloan and Justin DeClue. You could have it printed on Amazon. I think it's sold out on the site. Yeah. Um, I have one burning question of a bit in this movie that, that confused me deeply was the bit where Nicole Kidman took a piss on Zac Efron um, following like a jellyfish sting, which I don't really understand what that's doing in the wider movie. Stephen almost convinced me that I had to watch the, what was it, 2012, 2014, yeah, called, called The Paperboy. And there was a split second where I was like, is this some sort of remake? And then obviously not. Why Why would there be a sort of Matt Foster so remake? remake of a modern movie with Nicole Kidman? Genius. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah Matthew McConaughey, John Cusack, David Yellowo. Um, yeah, uh, just quick side note. I watched The Paperboy after The Paperboy, and The Paperboy is a lot better than The Paperboy because The Paperboy is trash, but The Paperboy is really good. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad I skipped it. <laughs> it's so bad. Would you say that this early, uh, right out of college, is that it kind of defines what they're going to do? Would you say like this first piece is essential? Matt told me we didn't need to cover this film, and I kind of disagreed. I thought that we should get in on the earliest available yeah. representation. Yeah, I've, I've really only seen like... a handful. I've only seen a handful so far, but I feel like this is quite foundational in mm-hmm. terms of style and tone. And even just sort of production values, you know, this sort of great, this sort of uh, sort of very early sort of shot on video, digital sort of camcorder style, that's going to persist with them forever. I mean, the technology updates, but it's never going to be, you know, shot on 17 millimeter epic wide cinemascope productions yet. I mean, maybe one day. Um, so- maybe one day. I mean, I, yeah, because I, I, I took copious notes to go through and was really kind of like intrigued by the things that I sort of been like, so, as you said, like formative of. And there are bits in this that feel very like replicated for their wider works. I really enjoy that because it's like what they've gone to. But the bits that really persist for me is 
the random just like character monologues are already really really fun and like it's mm-hmm. noted by this the specificity of the dialogue of just like matt farley's character specifically um will just get like caught up on just like a random thing that's all about it they've got this idea which i love in riverview specifically of just like these motifs that get introduced for no real reason and then just become these like vocal gags throughout the movie of just a certain phrase just echoes and echoes and echoes around for no real reason and the thing that stands out to me from this film and all of their films actually is this like really impressive hard to define ability of world building that even if they're set in ostensibly wheeled real places they create these little mini universes where you get obsessed with like the communities and the places and this random like Stuart's cafe that you know nothing about but <laughs> becomes central to the movie and just like this weird relationship dynamic and then there wants to like film festivals just all these little strange things that become part of this hyper reality that I just love a lot. I think they do spend a lot of time in their spaces and exploring them and mm. they feel very connected to their spaces. I think it's all these uh, 30 mile walks they're going on, but they have a real specificity of place and it feels like it only comes from where they're coming from, right? Like wherever they are at the time, the movie will show it and they're not going to like stage it out and make it into like a, a pretend place. Like uh, they're not going to pretend they're in LA. It's like they're in their college dorms where they where they stand, right? Yeah. Speaking of that world building, like I, I want to know how much world building isn't in the movie. I want to know how much Farley and uh, Roxburgh have imagined about these characters and the world they live in. And do like do they have what's the um, companion to the Lord of the Rings? Like the Silmarillion. Oh, the Silmarillion. <laughs> yeah, yes. I, I need a modern Silmarillion. <laughs> the paperboy Silmarillion. That. Yeah, the delivery center. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep saying this. Like I said this in the previous podcast, um, and was obviously um, I, I mean politely I rolled out for, for the pretentious of this. But I'm gonna keep pushing this point. I mean, partly until in the hope that Matt Farley eventually like starts to watch this. But these movies, like, and I will st- keep saying this until he watches one of them, really remind me of Hong Sang Soo movies. Like genuinely, of like there are so many bits of it's just like camera sticking on people and they're just like having conversations about stuff and it captures wonderful naturalism. And there is even a bit in this movie of like presenting uh, presenting their movie at a festival that was so much like I think it's like you know it all is the Hong Sang Soo movie with the film festival has that echoing moments in. Um, so I've, I've decided the key to the motion universe is actually the films of Korean author Hong Sang Soo, um, which I think I'm the only person to push his argument, but I agree with it very much. So. <laughs> this is my argument and I agree with it very much. Yeah, I agree with it. No one else does, <laughs> but I am very passionately in agreement with myself. And I, I mean, taken from Matt, I thought that, uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night was the key to the universe, so I watched the first one rather than a go straight into the second. Don't do that. No, not at all. By the next episode, no, I'll have seen the second one, likely. I, I asked him about one. the other Silent Night, Deadly Nights when I was talking to him recently, and I think he said he doesn't like any of the other ones, and I don't, know if, I don't even know if he's seen them all. <laughs> I was listening to um, the Kermit and Mayo film podcast, which I've listened to for like well over a decade now, and out of nowhere, because they're talking about some, they're talking about this new Christmas movie with Kieran Knightley and it sounds dreadful. Um, and Mark Kermit just said, you know, you know me, I like Silent Night, Deadly Night. I even like Silent Night, Deadly Night too. And I was like, I did not know that. Fantastic. So there you go. It, echo, it echoes out of our circles. I'm, yeah, I'm going to find uh, more keys and uh, relations to this. Um, I think it was a good idea to go with uh, Friday the 13th Part 2 because mm. I think that kind of hangout part and what Matt, Matt said on that podcast, which is like, 
the horror movie and like the plot of the movie was never the thing. It's the people hanging out with each other and the, the weird shit that kind of happens in between and the meeting spaces and where they belong to each other in their, in their space. I think a uh, paper boy is already getting to that. Yeah. Cause like there's, there's like there's three things that could very much be the narrative of this movie. Like it's a romantic right. comedy where there's like a relationship arc, which has a complete arc over it. It's actually nice at the end. And there's the, the core premise, which is just, he's the paper boy. He writes papers. Well, he gets them written for him or he writes them um, for college students. Um, I forget the exact phrase, but it's like $50 a paper, different paper every time. And the paper boy wears underpants on his head, gets a torch. And again, the specificity points where it's like, I've got batteries for the torch and it charged up. And you can see them going into that. Love that stuff so much. And then you have the other storyline about making sure that the on-campus cafe is open 24 hours, which is <laughs> this random afterthought that suddenly like, takes the movie towards the end. Um, but like, going back to what you're saying is the sense of, like it being a hangout movie. It's like, there becomes like what would be a clear narrative at the end when it becomes the superhero you're going to get rumbled story that like mm. in the last thing it's like all right let's put some incident in this and then the incident is like the least impactful and like the least important thing in the film ultimately gets wrapped up so it's all just focused on the let's just live let's just hang out let's just talk about strange things about ray charles versus charles dickens which is a quote that i got down <laughs> that was just wonderful <laughs> and i can't quite tell but it seems almost like the purpose of the film is to get longer cafeteria hours at their school at this yeah, point. No, it's, like yeah. A, it's a petition it's a petition documentary cr- cross with sort of <laughs> surrealist fiction i love it yeah i'm saying hong sang su it's this meta reflection on filmmaking <laughs> in the purpose of this is this is the key did any of you have a 24-hour cafe in college i think like i would have loved to have one of those but no absolutely like, not. we had a 24-hour library like 10 or midnight yeah we had a library i mean come on that's yeah. 24-hour library that's that's so i guess you could bring your drinks into that we had many takeaways as my for hours but that was it did your uh did your student union sell popcorn <laughs> let alone free popcorn yeah it's it's a, it's a fun world of this i mean all right again to become self-parody the the, the other film that stuck out to me upon watching this <laughs> is um jean-luc goddard's band of outsiders of the like the montages of just like people just like running around and doing you know that montage like part way through where it's just like matt Farley just running around and just doing stuff just for the sake yeah. of it just again has that like uh, my note here is like it's like Goddard without all the random bullshit that Goddard gets caught up in of the needs to just like capture things in cameras and just to play around with cameras and to just like do whatever is really joyful and really wonderful because that's what Cavill was saying of like let's just make films the joy of making films and just like use whatever we can at the time that like scrappy sensibility which is at its most artistic new wave or is here just like very like independent and very scrappy and cool and it's got text flashed up on the screen it's basically a Goddard movie <laughs> Just set to Beethoven's ninth yeah. for fifty-five exactly. minutes. <laughs> there you go. And take but, four. Yeah. <laughs> I rest my second case. So I've got um notes here going through. Um another mm. thing that I I very much liked, which is I think like it being shot in locations, but like the random um, entrances into random college dorm rooms of um, like the best. I mean, the first one was like the most like dorm room ever. If you have your casino poster and your boogie nights poster, yeah, I was like yeah. so transported. Like, oh yes, this is a film dorm room. But like the way they get little and very good jokes about like who they go to and what's going up. My favorite one being when they knock on that guy's door. I think Jack's in a pitch earlier, and he's wearing like full like <laughs> army army gear in with bed. a bike in his bed. <laughs> yeah. and um does anyone else remember exactly what the what the um paper that he was having done was oh not the first one good. the second one was good as well so like this mail. is he 
he comes to him and he goes, I've got your um your pacifism paper for you. And his oh, that's it. I just couldn't do it. Just couldn't do it, which is just <laughs> I'm being very good. It's a smart joke. It's a smart joke it, in a movie. I know. So all the way through, there's these little, little drips of being like, yeah, that's a good joke. That's a good joke. It's just these, these people are funny and I'm making a funny film out of it. And it is full of the joy of filmmaking and the joy of just making. And then to have, again, this meta layer of just like part of it, what is like making a film for sake of it, which may mean something, but it doesn't mean something. And to go back to um, Local Legends of there is a moment in this film, which very much like goes forward into that when he is showing his partner his film and her not getting it, which is like, oh yeah, that's that bit from the other movie. I like you definitely movie. start to get that that baseline mm-hmm. of like, we're doing something, people won't understand it or they don't understand it, and or we're not going to try to make it for them to understand it. Uh, that, that begins to work already. And you've got, again, like they're going out on this date. Um, so he takes her on this date and asks her to go out for a coffee and just takes her to the local 7-Eleven. Um, Yes. Which again, just one is just. Well, oh, but she's forgot her money. She forgets her money, and he happily pays, you know, for a, a week's a week's worth of grocery bits. You know, what what better first date is there? Absolutely, so good. You know, free popcorn in the in the cafeteria, but there's uh, no uh, free coffee. You gotta go. Yeah, I guess he has so much like leftover money because he just lives off the free cafeteria popcorn, <laughs> so he can splash out at Seven Eleven to like buy her a coffee and groceries. So goddamn good. Um, and the relationship arc between um, the person that becomes his girlfriend and himself. I mean, did anyone note down the persistent, ridiculous gag of why the boyfriend originally broke up, the boyfriend and girlfriend broke up? He smokes in her face, right? <laughs> Just oh, he blows like, smoke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is like treated, obviously, that's, 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 it is kind of like gross and annoying, but it's like treated as like grand affront that he's much like, but she'll blow smoke in your face again. It's a thing, it'll happen. And well, you know, that- Matt Farley does a lot of music too. You're go- you're going to notice that when you go through his Toy Three Thousand songs, that a lot of them are like, "Don't do drugs; they're bad for you. Don't smoke; it's gross." Like, uh, I mean, like a lot of his uh, commentary on like these things is just, "Yeah, don't smoke; it's bad, and it makes you a loser, and don't do it." You know, <laughs> like like they're kind of, you it's know, consistent. Yeah. But they're, it's they're like, very uh, straight-laced, nerdy, like, college guys, right? Like, they're not, like, out partying. They're like, uh, mm. she's going to break up with you because you're smoking, you know? Like, they're they're already, like, vigilantes. It gets, like, the least, like, offensive affront you could do just by, uh, you know, lighting up in front of the woman. Yeah, totally. And it, it's totally in the joke of that, though, of, like, getting it's ridiculous, of, like, having this almost, like, noir pastiche, and then like, that's that. And then having this, like, central, like, superhero story in which like the chosen identity is i write papers and they even have like the peter parker like conversations of being like of like that when he's walking along defending like paperboy is so like mm-hmm. so many super films like i actually think spider-man's really cool blah blah blah, blah. So much. <laughs> all, all these wonderful moments and then like getting caught at the end and just like walking out putting the note on like, yeah paperboy was here which rules so much um they have call signs in the movie <laughs> which there is Bird Dog, El Cid, Firebush, and Hedgehog. Now, do we want to assign new call signs, or do we want to distribute the existing call signs? Hmm. I think we distribute. But, uh... Okay. All right. Who thinks they're Bird Dog? <laughs> None of us think we're like Bird Dog, apparently. Part, part of being Bird Dog is not knowing you're Bird Dog. I, I think... Jack is hedgehog. 
Yeah, I'll take uh, it. I'll take Jack's it. total hedgehog. Jack I'm spiky. Jack. I'm small. I'm nocturnal. Uh, are they nocturnal? They're, they're out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're gonna be. They're gonna be now. Tonight, my housemate's sure. hedgehog when he was away for a few months. I, wait, I know sorry, all what? about hedgehogs. <laughs> wait, oh, wait. Whoa. wait sorry. <laughs> Pull aside. <laughs> sorry, what? Well, I, I just had to look, look uh, take care of my housemate's hedgehog for a few months. Your I don't have, not here anymore. I feel like oh, that's wait, qualifying. Did you not take? <laughs> did you not take care of it? <laughs> oh no, no, no! no. The hedgehog has just moved to Indiana. Oh, I hope the hedgehog's doing well. I know. <laughs> did it like just like thumb right out of there? Like did not care for yours? <laughs> yeah, more or less. How do you uh, feel, Matt? Is hedgehog? Matt, how do you feel about Sonic the Hedgehog? Uh, I don't like the movie, and I've but uh, I've played. Two of the games, I think. Uh, if, I feel like that gonna, qualifies. I'm going to guess Unleashed and 2006. <laughs> uh, Sonic Heroes. Yeah, it's, yeah, definitely Sonic Heroes. And, yeah. Um, yeah. The, and then at the Olympic Games. The genie Athens. one. Like the <gasps> Sonic and the Secret one. Rings? Yeah. That the one. genie yeah, that. one. That sucks. Yeah, it's on the Wii. I got oh, that with out. my Wii. <laughs> Welcome to our Sonic Wii games. We're going to look at the Black Absolutely. Knight next time. Um, okay, so, so I'm hedgehog. So I'm, no, I think Matt's Matt, Matt's hedgehog. Yeah, Matt. Oh, okay. It. Well, yeah, I've been I've Matt, been dethroned. Matt, Matt looked up for a hedgehog. I think Calvin El Cid. Yeah, mm. it's got this, it's a C in it. You know, what more do you want from me? <laughs> You're really clutching his straws there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> There's some I, I letters in it. Yeah. It's got kind of like an L vibe. I don't know. Calvin's it's kind of it's like an L something. You know, it's got prestige. El Cid. El Cid. I like El Cid. Okay. Might, which leaves bird, dog, anything. and firebush, which I will let someone decide. I feel like a, I feel like a firebush sometimes. You know what I mean? <laughs> Please define what you mean by that. I thought yeah, you would yeah. know what I meant. Yeah, I know exactly what you meant. This segment's going really well. Bush. <laughs> <laughs> so Calvin is Elsid the firebush, and Matt is hedgehog, and the rest, uh, the rest are not dumb. Uh, I appreciate that. I was that was successful. Thank you. Thank you very much. Have we assigned all the names? Are we are we doing this? No one else is assigning names. So you know, again, like a, a, an example of this film, just full of again the random things that clearly fascinate um, Farley and Co. That they need to just like put in a movie somewhere because it's a fun thing they heard and need to get out of there. But, ah, here's the other thing I want to talk about, which actually Calvin, you brought up that really reminded me. This like this constant callback to the the walks of, of Farley is really yeah. interesting because like I'm okay, I'm not gonna become more of a self-parody i'm not saying like this is the most like thematic and complex work but if we like find one part that actually does breathe through from experience into the film itself i mean it's presented as, as a joke in the film and it is a good joke this idea of like you can't just write to be a writer you've got to live the life of the writer <laughs> and that that i but like it's, it's that romanticist idea it's that kind of like i mean wordsworth god damn him wrote like so many poems about it It'd be like to go out and just like walk and look at things but there is that kind of like ironically presented in the film but seems like very true to like the process and experience of getting out there seeing things and looking at things which is like as you're alluding to is so clear in the world building of these films as well these are lived in places we live into um and then like becoming like parody at the end where he's out there living like the road that he says just like out there just like just reading books from his typewriter Mm -hmm. so i do like gleaning in that element of to live like a writer is to go out to explore to be a part of the community and these being like community made films is just really cool i like it a lot yeah, and that idea absolutely. of going out to live in the woods, and that that also shows up in Freaky Farley, right? And Stephen, I think you've seen oh, yeah. most modern movies. Does sure that happen enough. in a lot of them? Uh, well, there's this film called "The Riverbeast Get You." Desire to live out in the woods. 
I mean, well, we, I feel he has definitely a fear that there are druids out there in the woods because he <laughs> likes to make movies in which the woods are full of druids. I mean, actually, yeah, I think, but isn't it also because like it's just a it's a great filming location of like there are woods nearby and that's just interesting to look at. So I feel like that's mm. just a thing that comes up that way because like Her She Got Married includes like a bit of like walking and going into places as well. Obviously, there'd be druids in woods, there'd be river beasts in woods. Um, so I think there's the, the return of just, I, you know, the, the, the dichotomy between like here is the countryside on the doorstep and here is like the town that gives like a nice clear thing but again like just known spaces to traverse and go back to so yeah fear the woods i'm scared of woods now don't go into the woods and uh, speaking of the druids they did like a series of those druid films so we'll be getting to a couple of those they oh they're a series oh yeah there are four of them i've seen one of them i think do we have um, access to four of them? I don't know how many we can. Yeah, can do. We, we have access to all of them. Yeah, okay. yeah. Cool. I've seen druids, druids everywhere, or whatever it's called. It was it was a ridiculous movie. Yeah, druids, druids. There's also druid gladiator clone and Sammy. I think is one. Oh of no, the I saw Sammy. Sammy's good. I like Sammy. Druid movies. I don't remember what the fourth one is. It might seem like these films are inaccessible as we're talking about them, but I think they're all on. Um, Matt, uh, what do you call it? What's that page? The uh, Vimeo. Vimeo. Yeah, they've got a website where they've got the links to them as well, which I should okay. just know, which I can probably just I find. I feel like they're in Matt's Twitter bio. Yeah. It's through the Shock Marathon stuff, because that's what the, the podcast is as well. Motormedia.com is their yeah. website. Where you can watch all kinds of things. Yeah. Motormedia, motormedia.com slash movies. they got the list of and where you can get them so as you scroll down go all the way to the bottom so we have started with um pain boy um so our next one is sammy which i haven't seen um has have any of us seen it i've seen sammy i, yeah. okay. I watched Jack it the other day but that's the one that is inspired by that movie that you've seen isn't it matt what is the movie oh, was the... The i haven't seen sammy the pit. So. but you've seen the, the pit yeah, I think, yeah the, the pit is definite is a known influence on them it shows up in you have to, gonna have to watch them what Matt, is will the you pit? sell us on the pit hedgehog i mean uh, yeah hedgehog, <laughs> thank you calvin sorry elsa thank pit, you elsa uh it's about a kid who pushes people he doesn't like into a pit so it's only barber <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's a Canucksploitation Onibaba. Wow. For the benefit so of the one person listening who heard that word and went, sorry, it's a what? Can you define Canucksploitation? Canucksploitation? Uh, <laughs> that means Canadian, movies. effectively. So, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So Canadian exploitation movies. Yeah. I mean, also define the word pit. No. Um... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a Canadian word for it. Well, you don't want to know. <laughs> I just I didn't know they had their own language. Um, so, Paperboy. I mean, overall, can we go around the horn and give a, an assessment on the movie? And I mean, obviously, we were we were told not to watch it. Yes. So, our eventual thought on whether we think this is kind of like just for motor purists, which are the ourselves, or is this for the wider consumption? So, we're going to start um, with Matt and then work around back to myself. So, Matt, you first. Uh. It's only for people who have seen at least a couple modern movies, or it's for students at uh, Providence <laughs> College. I, I think this should yeah. be shown on freshman orientation, like the first night, put all the kids in an auditorium and they show them the paper boy. 
Yeah, and then get I, I wish the there was something like that for the university I went to. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're saying do watch, but don't watch as initial taste. Jack, Jackery. Yeah, I'd say if this was my first Moton Media uh, film, I don't think I'd persist with the project. <laughs> I think it's nice to go back, knowing knowing where it goes. Please put that on the post. Knowing these people, <laughs> but if I'd watched this without any context, and I'd, I would have just thought it's just like a, a strange, low budget, no budget student picture. But knowing where it's going to go. Um, and knowing Matt Farley as this internet presence and this, this mm. strange, wonderful artist, I think it's a really nice throwback to seeing how him and you know Charlie got to know each other and where that where this sort of <laughs> low budget empire came from. So I think it's nice as a, as a foundational piece of filmmaking. Okay, Calvin. Sorry, Elsid. Elsid, please. Um, I think that uh, I've been trying to weigh whether I want to only talk about films with like technical prowess or things that have peculiarities and if I want to uphold those instead and I've never seen any college film with any like technical you know sufficiency I've seen plenty going through like my own film studies courses and uh, trying to mess around with cameras and stuff early on and I I had never really clicked into the personality of anything I had seen I've especially at festivals I see like college projects that kind of crack mm. through into short films and uh, so I have a lot of exposure around like this area of, of film and I mean I would I would stick with it if I saw this I'd I'd want to know them I'd want to make movies with them I do um, want to make content with and about them so uh, I'd, I mean I'd give it a pass uh, especially if you're aspiring and you're new to making films and you're figuring out how you could shoot on no budget around your school and you see this and see that it could be done quite easily and uh, you just need to have personality and need to be naturally funny and need to have natural charisma um so as long as you do those things then i think you'll be fine so do you do you agree with matt then the, that this is a late watch or do you think it works as an, as an original i think i think you can watch it already if you're interested in those things and you are uh someone that would already pursue like a college or indie no budget filmmaking i think you could already take a crack at it otherwise i'd wait for uh, a main feature, uh, a main thing that was shot outside uh, college and away from like that early experience. Then uh, you might want a little more polish. They they do get a little more polish as we go. Yeah, I mean, because it's like the, if you keep making movies, they've made so many movies and continue to. There's that sense of like that grows are kind of like being used to, and like you get more like cinematic tropes as opposed to just like recurring like dialogue tropes, which is more satisfying. I I think I I, I think I completely agree with Matt. Actually, I've like this was such a comforting watch to watch as thin like i already people talk about like with podcasting like parasocial relationships this idea that you've listened to mm -hmm. me so much you get that like sense of like familiarity this has that warmth of i feel like i know these people and kind of know these kind of locations and there's a comfiness to the dynamics of it that i find like really rewarding and enjoyable it's the kind of film i'd like to just like stick on the background but i i'm going to echo matt and jack that if this was the first movie of theirs i watched I would be interested and be like, that was a cool thing that I watched that I might like forget about in the future. But knowing about it with the background of their, their wider output, I'm like, what a fun peculiarity that is a key part of their things. I, I think re think it's worth watching for the motion heads, which I believe is the, the, the name. <laughs> I'm of using it. that now. I like that. Le Lemmy is taken to the Lemmy from, from Motonhead. Yeah. From Motonhead. Yeah, he's not going to do great. But um... <laughs> yeah, to jump on what you said there, Stephen, about it being sort of like a, there's a familiarity to the places and the people. I've watched this film twice in the past, like two days, 
just because mm. it's just like quite warm and nice to go back Did to. Did you watch the remake just, though? I have not seen the remake or the 3D re-release, the special editions that George Lucas did in the uh, early 2000s. But um, no, I actually really sort of... You've watched it back. twice. Right. You went back to it. I watched it twice, it. went back to it. Um, you let it get you. I, I, it got me. It got me bad. Got no, me. I've lost got the you. point. Let's move. Let's move. Yeah. I, I, well, to, to echo what I think you were going to say, there is, I don't know, yeah, the, the, the warm familiarity of it being known and being like very easily watchable and just the, it is just fun, it is nice and it's imbued of all those things that Calvin say about the, the joy of creation and just want to make something which is so lovely. And I know Matt echoes my thoughts when I say that the 2012 remake is not worth watching um, and really <laughs> diverges from the original in some key ways. Yeah, it's for Nicole Kidman, completists only, and I think I'm probably the only one of those for no good reason at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I came in to ask him every now and then about you to say, yeah, I've seen every Nicole Kidman film, but I'm like, why? Yeah, and you there, say there it is somewhat no regularly. I just like, yeah. <laughs> I think it was right after Aquaman, I'm just like, you know, I'll, <laughs> I'll watch a couple more. That's the one, you're like, <laughs> she really shines. Nicole Kidman, and then you're like, you know, this, this woman's got some talent. Just, I like to think, Matt, that was your first Nicole Kidman film. You're like, this, this one. Whoever she is, has she been in other movies? She's bringing it. If anyone else has done it, it's not because of Aquaman. I think that's the first time anyone said that sentence, that they watch Aquaman and then had to do a career deep dive of anyone. Someone, someone's like, yeah, so that's why great. did you watch The Paperboy 2012? Well, I watched Aquaman. Yeah, yeah so that led me here. I mean, both include Underwater and Jellyfish. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah. God, that movie's dreadful. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to if, if Lee Daniels is listening. Apologies to Lee Daniels. Is he reading, uh, you know, the novel Push by Sapphire? Um, but speaking of our listeners, at the beginning, Calvin said that this was the biggest podcast because there are four hosts. But will we have the smallest audience? Who's going to listen to a? Is anybody going to listen to a? Well, thanks, Matt. Well, you know, I, hope, I hope Matt Farley listens. Wow. I mean, I guess only people listening will actually hear that slight so there you go <laughs> I mean, you can edit it out sorry <laughs> oh no the uh i feel like the motown the motown gang are really sort of building up an audience especially hey, online yeah. if you're listening at calvin at uh, him calvin what's the twitter yeah at calvin kev is it you want my twitter yeah at calvin specifically don't at the twin geeks okay at, at specifically the twin calvin yes. and at them Stephen. as well Stephen, read out your phone number right now so people can read <laughs> yeah. and, uh... <laughs> and that's how I got fired. Um, Jack, you, you, Jack, read out your phone number. So, uh, t- four, six, three, <laughs> and, eight, nine, six, seven, and two. So if you got that, um, it's not real, but there we go. <laughs> so until next time. Um, when we are motion casting again and covering Sammy slash The Pit, which we'll cover both. And obviously uh, Matt will give yeah, us the full, sounds the full good. rundown on, on pit-based activities and also other homework, I guess. Also watch Only Barber. Um, so, <laughs> you know, the, the, the trifecta. Um, Calvin, pitch time. Pitch. Plug, plug and pitch. Plug, plug, pitch. <laughs> pitch, plug. Never the same pitch twice. You're plugging. Plugging, plug your things. The mics... Oh. Um, I have a website called thetwingeeks.com. Mm-hmm. Cool. Is there yeah. an output from that that people could... I mean, again, no one's listening, but if they were to listen <laughs> and they're hearing this... Um, we, we do movie coverage. 
occasionally I review a movie there and uh, do a podcast about old movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Twin Geek Cast is our podcast about a older classic cinema, and we do a contemporary cinema on the site. You have a show, um, thinking of spoiling things. We mm-hmm. have uh, three letters and five mics. We have a show called Ranking the Monsters. We have a video game podcast called The Day Dreamcast. Um, is that is that covering all the bases? I think that's covering all the bases. Yeah. So um, the podcasts. Let's do yeah. one more. Exactly. <laughs> um, Jack, um, can we plug you as well, please? Uh, sure, yeah. I'm out on Twitter and Letterboxd at Jack Davenport, but take out all the vowels. So it's J-C-K-D-V-N-P-R-T because I like to be really difficult. Uh, I make music from time to time. Um, that's at 10 Second Beats on pretty much any platform. Um, Spotify, iTunes, Deezer, you know, all that good stuff. Um, for me, come say hi and uh, don't let the river beast get you. So, excellent. I mean, Matt, um, is everything you want to plug? Obviously, Nicole Kidman, Aquaman, but outside of that. <laughs> uh, I mean, if you want to follow a Letterboxd account that just rates movies and never writes reviews, you can find me. <laughs> Uh, uh, on letterboxes, Merrabbit with that's with two R's and two B's, M E R R A B B I T. Well, there you go, and um, yeah, you can you can find me in the streets and say hi. Well, um, yeah. Until next time, don't let the river beast get you. And hey, I think it got a hold of us this time. So enraptured by that river beast. <laughs> Don't let it get you. Don't. Don't. Good show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's fun. Charlie Roxburgh, you're so talented. You are a very good movie maker. You're the director of lots of great movies like Freaky Farley and Slingshot of shots done in one day oh my goodness Charlie Roxburgh all time super duper talented movie director Charlie Roxburgh you are a kind and decent human being oh Charlie Roxburgh Genius man